Welcome to Chinuch Today with Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield, where we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. Very excited to introduce to you Rabbi Tzvi Daum. Rabbi Daum has developed a very innovative and important test called the JSAT, which is a standardized Jewish test that is given in yeshivas and day schools to help us make sure that our students are learning and assessing their level. As you will hear, the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools put together a number of schools to identify standards. They started with fifth grade, and now they have also included eighth grade. And they came up with these standards that would serve as a baseline for all schools. And then they've given the test to thousands of children so that a school is able to see how well they are, their students are mastering the material. Chumash, Halacha, Dinim, and I think General Yedios. And based on these criteria and comparing one to the other, a school is really able to assess where their students are in different grades. This is really a wonderful, wonderful asset, a wonderful innovation that is available to our schools. One word of caution about standardized tests. To an outsider or to someone new to education, standardized tests sound unbelievable, so wonderful. You're able to take an objective measure of how much students learn. What could be a more valuable measure of success uh, to hold people accountable, to hold children accountable, to hold the teachers accountable, to hold administration accountable, and ultimately to evaluate a school based on standardized tests? This is such a good idea that George W. Bush, President Bush, decided that they were going to connect funding and the ability of children to accelerate to the next grade based on their test scores. And that was part of the No Child Left Behind initiative that he put into law. And when principals and schools, teachers, realized that their funding and their jobs were dependent on test scores, Basically, what happened was it skewed the entire testing system. Many principals were caught cheating and setting up conditions to make sure that their students did well on tests. And as a private school, we don't have that liability. And when we interview people from the public school, the tests are so high stakes. In Texas, it's the STAR test, but in other states, they have different standardized tests. The pressure that's put upon teachers is so great where the entire year is focused to a large extent on making sure their students do well on these tests because the school is graded and the teacher is then graded on how their students do. And think about the impact that has on education. You know, tests cannot be comprehensive. They certainly don't include all the thinking and engagement and the values. At best, they have a broad amount of information and skills. And if this teacher is solely judged and in their mind solely judged on how their students will do on that test, A, they spend a lot of time wasting time, frankly, teaching the kids how to do well on those tests, practicing the tests, setting conditions up for the test. And B, therefore, the data that you collect from those tests is quite skewed because it's not just a window into a regular situation of learning and seeing where the children do. It's really a window into how well they are able to test. And what happened due to George W. Bush's No Child Left Behind is many principals actually went to jail. I lived in Atlanta at the time, and I remember there were a whole bunch of scandals about Atlanta principals who were caught at night changing the test grades of their students. Now, you can understand why they would do that if their whole Parnassa would be dependent on how well those students did. 
It is also interesting to note that in the wake of COVID, standardized testing has become much less of an indicator for colleges on acceptance. Many universities do not require testing, such as the SATs or the ACTs. They are optional, and they no longer play the same amount of weight in admission. And part of the reason of that is, is that it, it was very inequitable because people who had money and the ability to focus on getting tutors and learn how to master the test would do better. And kids who, who did not have those resources and were not able to uh, study for the test would do worse. And they found that those are not no longer valid indications of how students are going to do in college because it had more to do with how well they could do on that test and how they're able to master the test. So even though as we're going to hear from Swedam, having standards and standardized testing is certainly one measure. It is a limited measure, and we have to be very careful not to use that as a weapon against teachers or administrators to over-leverage that data because it will just cause the data to be useless. And here at our school, we're very careful not to weaponize the data, not to pressurize that data, or make anyone feel that their, their job is going to be dependent on how students do, etc. We use it primarily to identify students who are off the mean, because you get a basic mean of where the students are, and if a child is way off, either in strength or in weakness, you get a sense of how off they are. And number two, it, it could show gaps in the curriculum. If a group of students are doing poorly in a certain area, let's say uh, one particular class didn't get uh, Zachar Nekeva right, you know, so you know the next year to fix that grade's curriculum and make sure that you fill those gaps and those students who go on, you fill the gaps there also. So we use it in that way here at school and it's a very effective tool. And it's wonderful to hear that the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools identified an area that needed to be addressed and they invested in Rabbi Tzvi Daum and his JSET to really fill the void and it's a test that's evolving and becoming better and better. And the more data that they collect, they're able to develop it further. So it's an honor to introduce you to Rabbi Tzvi Daum with the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools and hear about this amazing test that he has taken and developed and how he's continuing to have it grow. Welcome, Rabbi Tzvi Daum. So good to have you here today. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, Baruch Hashem. And as we are going to introduce, you have developed something that has been critical for Klyosrol, which is the Judaic Study Standardized Achievement Test, otherwise known as? JSAT. JSAT. From now on, we will refer to it as the JSAT. Before we get into it, did you think of the acronym first or the name first? Because that is something I've always wondered. Thinking, you know, PSAT. Yeah, I was probably going with the acronym first. Okay, because Judaic SAT, Studies Standardized Achievement Test L- is a LSAT, yeah. Right, right. So you're right in there with the JSAT. Right. As we're going to hear, the JSAT is a, a standardized test that's given in many yeshivas. We're going to get into it. But before we do that, we want to hear who you are. So without uh, going too deep, where did you grow up and how did you get to Chinuch? So... Let's go back. Where did you grow up? Where in the world did you grow up? Born and raised in a place called Borough Park, New York. Nice. Uh, Brooklyn, New York. Okay. I've heard of um, it. I went to a Hasidish cheder, Gary, Shiviagulter, once upon a time, through eighth grade. Then I went to... Let, let me guess. They did yeah. not do standardized testing in your elementary school. We did actually Stanford Achievement Test. Those oh, okay, of, wow. You know, at the end of the year. Uh, wow. We, right? there was, those were the days that they actually taught English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Different podcast title. <laughs> Not for today. But um, yeah, so we, we had Achievement Test. Anyway, I went to uh, Torbidas. Then uh, I went to Eretz Yisrael. I spent 14 years in uh, Eretz Yisrael. 11 years of that was in Kailo. 
And then I came back to America. I was 18 years a classroom Rebbe in the Jewish Foundation School in Staten Island, New York, which is what grade did you teach? uh, Everything from fourth to eighth. Nice. So it was, um, you know, it was like period. So it's like every few minutes here, something else. So I was there for 18 years. I'm now I'm at the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools, COJDS. I can't do that full time. I do that now full time. Yes. How Not long sure if the acronym there? came first or the name of the organization came first, but <laughs> probably the name of the organization. Yeah, yeah, that one doesn't have as much of a ring to it. But yeah. um, awesome. How long have you been there for? I've been here since 2015, part time. And then like the past two years, I would say three years, it's been full time. Wonderful. And yeah. do you work what in your role at the consortium? Do you do other projects besides the JSATs or is that your primary responsibility? Uh, I, I do everything that needs to be done. <laughs> okay. So yeah. jack of all trades. You know, we have different, besides JSET, there's other assessments, uh, online learning. I'm involved in a little bit, uh, whatever, whatever. Okay. Wow. Wonderful. Like and um, can you tell everyone just the kits or what the consortium is? Because as a mechanic, certainly an out-of-town head of school, I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with the great work of Rabbi Heshi Glass and the consortium of Jewish day schools, but maybe some of our listeners are not familiar. So how would you describe, broadly speaking, what your organization does and what it's about? So the consortium is an organization that was founded to help Jewish day schools across North America. The mission is Jewish day schools. We've expanded, you know, besides America, there's South America, there's Chile, who knows? There, there's, wow. you know, we, we reach out further, but uh, we do all sorts of types of things. I have a program called the Havana Haskell, which is a curriculum program. We do principal training. We do all sorts of um, professional development type of things. Awesome. Look at our website, cojds.org. You'll find out everything you need to know. But uh, we're we're, we're servicing, trying to service Yisrael by servicing day schools. I I will say that the consortium has really been a thought leader in a lot of areas, including the one we're going to discuss. So uh, I think it's good for people to be aware of that. Going back to your time in Kolel, did you know at that point that you wanted to be a mechanic back in Eretz Yisrael? You know, I, I never really knew what I wanted to do. Towards the end of my period in Eretz Yisrael, the last two years, there was a program run by Nerla Elif, by, by Wolfson, I think was the funder there. And uh, basically it was a two-year program where they gave chinuch courses for two years and you ended up with a bachelor's degree but there was a condition attached to it that you needed to go out and like wow. the day school you know and uh, do something yeah. for two years so that's that's how i got from my to uh to there so you signed up for that unreally committed to jewish education but knowing that yeah. you wanted to do something i knew i wanted to do something you know right. so uh, that, that seemed like and how'd you end up in the Jewish Foundation School in Staten Island? Afterwards, we, we took um, I took a trip to America. There was a Torah Masora job fair, and um, there was different places I interviewed: East Coast, West Coast, and uh, this, this came up. So you know, I'm from Brooklyn. My parents still live in Brooklyn, so I live so in Passaic. <laughs> you know. So. And did you? Was there a point when you said to yourself, "I'm a mechanic. I'm a teacher." I mean, you were there for 18 years. Yeah, I, I still wonder. <laughs> I still wonder about it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, did you grow into that role over time? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm not until today. I, I, I think a lot of it being like, you know, am I secure? How secure am I? Am I, you know, am I the world's best teacher? I don't know. We, we try our best, but one thing for sure is that during my time there, I did 
feel the need to help Jewish children by trying to improve the their education. You know, I, I'm a curriculum person by, you know, one of the things that bother me is from a really from a curriculum perspective is that, you know, Rebaim don't have any materials. You know, right. you'll see kids coming home. There's sheets floating around out of every part of their knapsack. <laughs> And uh, I actually developed a lot of my time, spending a lot of time, and I felt bad, you know, because a lot of rebellion are doing this. There's memorials rebellion. There's there's staying up until twelve, one, two in the morning, preparing for their lessons for the next day. I was doing that, and I wanted to do something in curriculum. You know, one of the advantages of the program there with Rabbi Zakon was we did get a bachelor's degree in liberal arts from Thomas Edison. And uh, after that, I used, I, I knew I wanted to get into curriculum. So I got a master's degree in education, you know, built on that uh, in education with especially in curriculum development and educational technology. But one of the things is if you're going to develop curriculum, is there's something called standards. And this relates to the JSAT, right? If I'm going to develop some materials, how do I know that it's good for not just for my students, but for a lot of students across the country? Right. So, and the problem always was that we don't have standards, uh, you know, in the Jewish day schools. So that, that's where I was when I left the, uh, when, when I joined the consortium, basically. So what, what efforts did you make in curriculum while you were in Staten Island? Did you develop your own? I think you have a lot of materials on chinuch.org, if I remember correctly. Is I, I don't correct? have too much. On, I don't really have too much on chinuch.org, uh-huh. but, but I, I do have a bunch of workbooks that I created. Um, maybe that's people, what I saw on Tanakh, uh, maybe? What, Tanakh what and uh, Chumash, yeah. a lot of, uh, I have a workbook on uh, Sefer Shemois that's been, I think Thomas Ora sells it actually. And then I have a bunch more on Sefer Bemidbar, like basically running Balei Shlach. I have um, a Navi, Shmuel, Shmuel Beis. Wow. I also did um, like online Navi courses. Like one of the things I remember is when I was growing up, you know, I would come home and I would learn my father at night. You know, I didn't know anything that was going on in class. You know, <laughs> we'd break our heads. You know, you would open the Sancino Gemaras. Remember the red, small little red Gemaras and... um we would try to figure out the Gemara, whatever it was that we we're trying to learn. And I'm thinking to myself that a lot of these kids that I'm teaching, you know, the Jewish Foundation School, at least when I was there, they estimate like half the kids don't come from Shomer Shabbos homes. So, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, when these kids are going home, who's helping them? You know, right. who's, who's reaching out to them? And um, so one of the things I did with that was to develop these online materials where the kids could take, uh, do homework online. They, they have quizzes and they have audio files that they could listen right. to and they have, you know, different things. So, you know, that's some of the work that I was doing while I was in Staten Island. And how did your sheets progress and evolve over the 18 years? Like, how would you describe your first worksheet to your last <laughs> worksheet? Did you like improve uh, I, graphics, improve uh, fonts, improve uh, the educational focus? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, I hope I didn't make my last worksheet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it's just you're shooting in the dark. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be covering. You know, it's, it's just like a bunch of, you know, you're just putting questions on a sheet. You know, that, that's more or less what it is. And uh, as I progress, as I learn more, you try to make it uh, the questions more diverse, different types of questions, uh, thinking questions, higher thinking questions, graphics. I'm not a graphics person, so I, I don't waste my time with things that I'm not good at. You know, if I'm publishing a book, you know, I, I'll hire an artist to put in some some Smart. pictures. You got to know what you're what, what you're cut out for. But did you have uh, any mentors along the way, like educational leaders that you? look to for advice on what a great worksheet looks like or how to develop, you know, your teaching at that time? 
Yeah, I have. I had shown things around. I remember the first thing I showed to somebody was I showed something to Rabbi Pasek from oh, yeah, uh, Torah sure. Masora. You know, he says you have to get into a classroom. <laughs> and I, I, the truth is, my students have been my best feedback. You know, mm-hmm. when you're, you know, it's not like I'm sitting in a room somewhere thinking that this should be. You know, this would probably, you know, a lot of times. You take it to class, you try it out, you see what works and you see what doesn't work. You see why it doesn't work. And that's, you know, you know, that that's, right. that's why, that's why I got it. Got it. And the college experience, the masters, would you say that that informed your practice in a real way? Like mm-hmm. some people find the, especially a secular college program to be lacking in its application to a from school. And it sounds like maybe for you, that was more meaningful. Yeah, no, I, first of all, you know, I believe all knowledge is useful at some point. What particularly, and you never know where it's going to come from, you know, right. but, um, it definitely was, I think it was good. It was challenging. And particularly one, the, the thing that I learned about was standards, data and standards driven education, which is what the JSET is really all about. So, and that, in those terms, it was definitely helpful. Is it any better than any of the other courses that you get along the way? I, I can't tell you that it is, but I, I found it very useful. I've spent a lot of time in secular classrooms, postgraduate mm-hmm. uh, work, mm-hmm. and I agree. It's sort of like many days are not useful, but the sum total of the entire <laughs> experience leaves you with contact points that are very valuable. Right. And, you know, you wouldn't have had those if you don't go through it. So, so yeah, my, my, my thing is like this. A lot of times, especially when I was teaching, we have professional development days. My thing is a lot of these people, you know, they give an hour lecture. They could probably trim it down to five minutes. We really had to do that. I have one expectation. I, I want to get one good thing out of this person. You know, I'll say for cooler, you know, <laughs> just, you know, if I could take something out of it, even one thing, then I, I think it's good. I, you know, awesome. So that, okay. Wonderful. My, Okay, so we're we're towards the end of your classroom career. You're realizing that good curriculum is is based on standards. Good worksheets are based on standards. You're looking around the community, the Jewish landscape of Orthodox Jewish day schools, and you're wondering, are there any standards? <laughs> and how did you meet Rabbi Glass? And how did you sort of move it to the next stage where you took these questions and began a project to address them? First of all, one of my even before the consortium, like one of my thoughts was try to get people together, like a, like an open source curriculum, like you know maybe we'll get some people together and work on a curriculum of some sort. That didn't really work out. Mm. Uh, nothing, you know. Eventually, you know, I, I had all these materials. I think should I launch it myself? Should I not launch it myself? And um, you know, my father's telling me that you know when you have an organization behind you, that's that's really a good thing. And uh, he had a friend who introduced me to Rabbi Glass. We had a meeting. It was actually in professional, you know, here in New York, we have um, the BJE in those days. They had a professional development day in November um, right here in Cedarhurst, not far from where we are. We met up and uh, very anticlimactic, but <laughs> here I well, am. So you pitched to him the idea and you, you gave him the vision I, or was it something no. he already was thinking about? So, yeah, so actually what happened, the, 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 this exact project, I mean, in the beginning, I was just doing general work, but shortly after I came, I came, I came, I came this summer, and every summer we have here something called a think tank. I've been, been Zaycha to, to be there a few times. Right, so basically we have a bunch of principals, uh, you know, over 100 principals coming in for a day or two, and uh, at the end of the think tank, there's something called... Um, we asked, we basically asked the Machanchem, you know, what could we do for you? You know, how, how can we help? 
And one year, this principal got up and he said, you know, that's, you know, he, in his school, there's for secular education, there's standards, there's uh, data, there, there's data, you know, if I, I want to know if a fourth grade student is doing well in English, you know, you, you can figure it out. In, you know, in, in day schools, it's, it's like a black box. Nobody knows what's, what's going on. So could the consortium maybe perhaps develop data for Judaic studies so we could get a sense of what students know? How could we, you know, improve our, uh, our programs? So Urban Glass liked that idea. And uh, that's how we began. So we, we started by polling 17 different day schools about, uh, we decided, we started with fifth grade. We figured fifth grade is sort of like, you know, a lot of schools, the lower school sort of ends in fifth grade and then sixth grade is like the upper school. What should a student leaving fifth grade know? What kind of subject, you know, we talk about Chumash, we talk about uh, Navi, Dinam. We, we did a poll of different things. Right. And we polled 17 different schools. And one of the things that people say about standards is, you know, you can't have standards. Like, you know, every school is different. They're all teaching, you know, this is not like that. Surprisingly, there's a lot of agreement about what students should know leaving fifth grade. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about the Chadarim, Chadarim, the teaching by Yemir Hashem and Hashem said, you know, the way I grew up. But uh, in, in terms of day schools, there was a lot of agreement. So we did polls with standards, like what Shorish and this, Zacher and Akeva. And basically, all the standards that we came up with, there's like 94% agreement on. Of know, those 17 some, schools. All those 17 schools. Like, you know, How did you choose the 17 schools? We reached out. I mean, it was we just reached out to schools that were responsive. You know, so we, it's boys' schools, girls' schools. Yeah, it's everything. It's the whole mix. It's the whole. It's a whole. It's a whole so, it's a whole. so is this a fair statement that you didn't find the difference between boys' schools, girls' schools, and mm-hmm. co-ed schools, which are all different schools that are connected to the consortium, mm-hmm. with regard to the standards of a child leaving fifth grade? Yes, and I'll Isn't tell that you remarkable. I'll tell you something. Since I've been here, I, I've looked around for different organizations that have uh, standards. You know, th- there are a few. And you'd be surprised that even conservative and reform schools who teach Chumash, let's say in terms of Chumash, it's the same standard. If, if you're teaching Chumash and you want a kid to be able to read a Pusik inside, everybody agrees. They have to know what a Shorish is. They have to know what a, what a prefix is, what a suffix is, what a Baba Hippoch is, you know. There are certain things that are inherent to learning Chumash. Now, we're not talking about Shkafa here. We're not talking about what kind of, um, you know, lessons to take away from that. You know, every teacher is going to do with that how they feel. But in terms of academic standards of what a student should walk away knowing uh, in terms of Chumash, that there is tremendous agreement. Fascinating. I guess now that you explain it, it fits. But (laughs) if you would have asked me on the onset... Yeah. You know, you think there'd be more of a difference. I, I guess you don't touch upon Mishnayas. A lot of schools start Mishnayas in third and fourth grade. Right. So we actually, uh, um, little discussions with, uh, there's a um, program in Eretz Yisrael called Sulamot. So whatever, it's uh, they have their own uh, Mishnayas type of curriculum. So we're middle, dis- we're middle discussing putting a Mishnayas component to, to what we do. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of schools where girls, let's say, for example, are not learning Mishnayas. So, and even those that do Mishnayas, you know, which Mishnayas are they doing? Uh, could you, right, it's a big nafkamina, the, yeah, the language you know. and the skills. Right. So, so Chumash, everyone does the same part. Yeah, we, we, you know, most of our standards are really skill-based. So it doesn't make a difference, let's say, which Chumash you're learning. We also have 
in addition to Chumash skills, we have something called Chumash knowledge, which is basically Parsha. And there's like that, you know, and that's also pretty Shavuot Nefesh, you know, in terms of, you know, whoever's doing Parsha, you're doing Parsha. Right. Then we have Dinam and Yediot Kolyot, which is another section of the JSAT 5. These are all things that are, I would say, Shavuot Nefesh. In terms of the methodology, I am not an expert in data collection and standardizations <laughs> and all these amazing uh, aspects of professionalism. But did you bring in a consultant to understand standardized tests? And is there a chachma to standardized tests that not anyone could just throw it together and call it a standardized test? Yeah, so I, I think that's where my college background is actually helpful. When you develop, first of all, when you're developing a standardized test, you want to make sure that each question measures one standard, Okay. You, have, you start off with your list of standards. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the first thing we do. We pull the schools. This is curriculum development, backwards development. Uh, you know, so you get your standards. These are the targets. This is what I want to hit, and then you develop questions that target those. Can only assess one thing at a time. Is there a minimum number of questions per target that make it valid? Um, I, I don't know statistically. You know, if there is a thing, because you know, I, I, if you ask two questions right, about right, something right. and a kid happens so, to not know that. Right, right. So we have, let's say, two assessments. We have JSET 5, and let's say we have something called JSET 8, which I'll get to later. Yeah. So uh, on the Chumash skills, on the, on the JSET 5, we have several questions per standard, usually. Yeah. Uh, I think 5 is like the valid number, if I remember correctly, yeah, or 4 or 5, good. or something something like that. So child's going to guess, their guessing should should come out to about 25%, you know, if they're, if they're just guessing. If you don't have enough questions... So the J set, let's say the J set eight, we're only, let's say, having 35 questions on Homer skills and there's like 30 standards. Maybe you're getting one or two questions per standard. We don't break it down at the student level per standard, but it is helpful for, let's say, a school. If you're a school or you're, you have a class and across the whole class, you know, you're asking 20 different students the same question, you know, so you could take the percentages that way, you know, if they're, um, you know, seeing how they do. But we do what we, in terms of your original question, we, after, let's say we do the JSET exam, we, we, after we get the initial batch of results, so we send it out to a psychometrician who evaluates all the questions for statistical validity. Really? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Besides saying that word one more time, real slowly, mm-hmm. who do you send I, it to? A, a psychometrician? psychometrician? Metrician. Psychometrician. Psychometrician. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, okay. and w- so, w- I mean, why do you they know nothing about Judaism? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So why do you need that? You look at the questions, you get the answers, boom, you got percentages. What's what the- so there's apparently there's a chachma to are things statistically valid. So for example, you could have a question, let's say, where not too many students get it right. Right. But let's say those students who do get it right are students who score higher on the test. So that would give you an indication that, that it's, it's a hard question but it's a valid question, right? Mm-hmm. It's a step up. Conversely, you could have questions where the results are all over the place. Like, you know, students who do well don't answer well on this question and students who do, don't do well do answer well on that question. So that could sort of indicate to you that there's something wrong with the question. It's not statistically valid. So, Interesting. You know, so, so yeah. each time you do it, or just when you developed it, probably. You don't so think- for the JSF 5, it's, it's one test that we, we did. So, you know, we, we, we did it that way. Now, we also have the JSAT 8, which I didn't bring in discussing, but that's a test that we do every year. 
and we send it off every year to a psychometrician. You mean you redo the test? You said you redo it's a new test every year. It's a new test. So okay, we'll I, talk about that. We can talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, I just had an interesting vignette with one of the students. I'll even do a pro tip for all my thousands of listeners, millions of listeners. That it was one of my children. So for those of you listening, and you guess which children child, you you could get a free uh, raffle into a very significant prize. But one of my sons, your, your merch store is opening. So. Yeah, yeah. One of my, I just gave it away. I narrowed it down even further. One of my sons took the Stanford's and got every question wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, statistically, that's impossible. If you guys, right. I remember, you know, I'm the principal of the school, and the person in charge came to me, and they're like, "This weird thing happened. A kid got every question wrong. The only way you could do that is if you know the answer to every right. question." <laughs> right. I remember once so, I, had a t- I had a teacher said, um, you know, they said he gave multiple choice questions. And he said, if you get every question wrong, I'll give you a hundred. <laughs> exactly. Conversely, it showed that he had great mastery. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I thought it was fun. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that for a different type of psychometrician, mm-hmm. different type of psych, uh, psycho mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Getting back to the test. So you developed the fifth grade based on the, now, did you find, that the 17 schools were a good cross-representation that when you then launched it, how many schools did you have sign up on the first run? I don't remember. Or around? Like, was yeah, it more than 17? Like, Yeah, it was around there, probably around 20 or so the first year. I mean, it's yeah. been a couple and then, years. And then, and then years. how many do you have now taking the JSAP 5? Last year, we had over 30 schools that took it. Uh, and how many kids does that represent? That's probably... Uh, um, yeah, this past year, we had over 1,300 students that took the JSAP 5. Yeah, and when you look at the stats, do you compare it just year by year, or you do like you know all the years, like you see how a child does against thirteen hundred, or how a child does against since its inception? Yeah, so for the JSF five, since it's the same test, so we're comparing it to everybody. I think at this point we have about six thousand students or so who right. took it, most of them in fourth grade. But part, as part of the results that we give out, we give out these digital interact you know we give out pdfs so you could you know see the results but you could also play with it you know we have a digital portion to it so you could compare results to all the all the years to last year the year before you know if that's something if you think covid is let's say is a factor you know you want to see pre-covid after covid so there's you know there's ways you could play around with the data Uh, personally i I don't know that it makes that much of a difference in my experience but uh yeah. Great. Interesting. Were you saying that you don't think COVID impacted the test scores overall? No, I would say a little bit. I, I, not that much. You know what I'm saying? I, I, there, there is a low, you know, in secular, in the secular world, they talk about the learning loss of COVID. And um, we definitely saw a downturn, uh, let's say, in the JSET 8 scores, a few percentage points uh, after COVID last year. We're going to see how it goes this year. But, you know, it depends what you call a lot, I guess, you know. In the JSF 5, though, there wasn't, there wasn't such a... Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't, for the most part, we didn't do it the COVID year. Last year, it, it looked pretty average. You know, I, again, That's so uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, because the um, you have to look at the research a little carefully because it could just mm-hmm. be, depending on socioeconomics and other factors that were hit harder by COVID. When they were mm-hmm. home, what were they doing? Were they engaged right. in learning? And what, you know, right. reinforcement in different ages? And... Okay, and, and what kind of feedback did you get on the JSET, has it changed at all the JSET 5 since you launched it? I mean, you've given the same test. So what have you learned yeah. over the years about how to you know, implement it? And what are some of the things that you've developed yeah. further? So the test itself has been basically the same. I got a little feedback about some, some of the questions, which we haven't really, to be honest, we haven't really changed it. I, I think what I've taken out of it is, for the most part, students are very good at... 
let's say in terms of dukduk, let's say like the lower level skills, they could tell you what's zacha, what's nakeva, what's a shorish, what's a this. But I, I find that as they have to sort of put it all together, make sense of a pasuk that they never saw before, and things like that, things that require them to figure out, put all those skills together and be able to read a pasuk. That's that has work. <laughs> There's work to be done there. And by the way, I should mention that that's sort of how I got. That's part of my impetus with this whole curriculum business. I remember years ago, I read an article. It was lamenting the fact that when day school children, uh, students arrived to Eretz Yisrael, it was called, I think it was called the learning epidemic. Mm. Learning, you know, they, they, they basically, the students can't read a Pasuk Chomish. That's the bottom line. Wow. And the question is, what can we do about that? What could we, how could we improve uh, whatever it is that we're doing to, to get them to that point? I see that the lower level skills that they more or less got but in terms of, uh, let's say, verbs of, uh, you know, future tense, past tense, you know, those type of things. It's more complicated. This is, you know, this might be a sensitive question. So deal with it as you feel comfortable. Yeah. But broadly speaking, are there trends, geographics, people on the East Coast do better than the West Coast, boys versus girls, yeshivas yeah. schools versus modern schools, schools of over 200 versus school of under 200. Are there any trends that you're able to identify and you would be comfortable sharing? Um, broadly with yeah. the scores on these tests? So far, from what I could tell, okay, the average is the average. Even if you have your big school with five classes, there's going to be higher achieving students and there's going to be lower achieving students. So what I what, what appears to me is like the average is the average. Like, yeah, I, does any particular school stand out and things like that? Uh, so far, I can't say that it does but. wow <laughs> so i don't know we're going to leave our you know, listeners an opportunity to reflect on that in terms of school choice where they go know, and what it, know, it, it could be a little bit that you know it's hard to know also like schools that have like like a few kids in a class so sometimes they'll do better but it's hard to know what would happen if there'd be 10 kids in the class what would 20 right. kids in the class you know right. I, I, you know it's it's hard to know fascinating yeah. So let's talk about the JSAT uh, eight. So after the JSAT five was launched, mm-hmm. how many years was it till you went to JSAT eight? And why did you then go to the eight? Why didn't you go to six or four? Yeah. So uh, we started with the five, and really the way curriculum sort of works is, like I said before, is like backwards. Like you know, so we have an idea of where students in fifth grade are. You know, we want to see where they when they leave school, where they holding. And the idea is that you should be able to plan backwards. Um, okay, if my students are leaving eighth grade and they know X, Y, and Z, but they don't know A, B, C, so what do I have to do in my curriculum to get them to that point when they're leaving eighth grade? You know, I'm not gonna be able to help these students; they're leaving my school already. But you know, what could I do to, for my program to uh, you know help them get there? That 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 was the thought process. We started working on that. This time, we actually interviewed. Pulled fifty-two schools. Oh wow! Why? Why the change? Well, there more. There was more awareness of what what it was about, and uh, there's more schools that joined on. They want to be a part of it. Wow! And again, there was a lot of agreement, and uh, so we started working on this test. Now, uh, for those that grew up in the New York area um, that did not attend Hasidic schools, there was something called the BJE Board of Jewish Education, and they always gave a high school placement exam every year. So students are applying to different schools in the in New York, New Jersey area. They would have to take this test. 
And they basically, they, they wanted to get out of it. Um, I guess they didn't have really, it was the, I think it was like the same test basically every year. They didn't have so many people to work on it, whatever it was. So they came over to us and they asked us if we could take it over. And we were working mm. on it. We're about to work on the eight anyway. So, uh, so we, we got that. And that's why I was telling you before that the chess, the question, this is sort of like a high stakes exam, you know, because students are taking this as part of their high school application. It's uh, their placement, you know, this, that, and the other. So it's a little bit more of a secure exam, you know, yeah. so it's, uh, we change. Oh, that's the why you change and, it every year? Change the questions every year. Yeah. There's three versions of the test, you know, there's whatever. It's just, it's a more secure exam. And we just finished giving it now. We usually give it in November. So we just finished now. We have like 2000 students who just took the exam and we're just finishing gathering the raw data. And then I got to send it to the psychometrician to, <laughs> to evaluate it. Yeah, so I, I think there's been an increased awareness and stand, you know standards and you know trying to um, to implement that. And uh, eventually, what I hope to do is we're going to try to take all this data and try to get some curriculum. The next step in curriculum development is you, you do your assessments and then you do you provide learning opportunities, so for, to help students master the data. So. Uh, hopefully that'll be, you know, we started doing some of that already, you know. Have but. you gotten any pushback from educators who Bishita will not use your test? And if so, what is that feedback? The only thing that I've gotten was, you know, someone that care more about Midos, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, it's more of like the emotional, I guess, the emotional well-being of the student. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, uh, <laughs> we also, we, we don't, tell people what to teach, you know, what, yeah. but on the other hand, you know, it's also been very positive, you know, people, a lot of principals that they want the parents to take the study, you know, the, the, the genetic studies more seriously. So it makes it much more professional, but you know, the, there's been concerns that, you know, our teachers teaching to the test, you know, which obviously we don't encourage, but uh, yeah. And so I, I would say that was, that, that would have been the primary pushback is you know emotional and you know is it yeah you know, people want more learning it should be more uh what's the word open um project based and yeah. things like that more you know not yeah. necessarily a bubble sheet you know it's all black and white yeah but i think at the end of the day we all want our kids to learn how to read a puzzle hummish you know <laughs> yeah 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 now the so, eighth grade one is focused on gemara skills is that right there's an optional gemara section uh -huh. so you know there's it, there's and that one, there's nine standard sections. We got Chumash skills, we got Chumash vocabulary, we got Chumash knowledge again. We have Dinim, Yediyat Kolios, we have a little bit of Tfilo, we have a little bit of critical thinking. There's a Safa section, uh, Navi section. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of everything on the eight. And um, then there's an optional Gemara section, because obviously there's a lot of students who do not learn Gemara, but for those who want data on their Gemara programs, so we have a Gemara section. In our school, some of the feedback that we get from our Rebbeim is that when they leave fourth and fifth grade, they really know their Chumash. Mm -hmm. Then they focus on Gemara for three years, and they forget the Chumash. And we're trying at our school, of course, to bridge that gap and to sort of keep them proficient in Chumash all the way through eighth grade. Do you find on the test that generally on the Chumash skills, fifth graders do better and eighth graders seem to lag or are they maintaining uh, the skills? You know, you know, you know it's funny. I, I find, let's say it comes to Dinim. Right? The, we have, we have, the section that the fifth graders do the worst on is Dinim. And you ask, let's say one of the questions is at the end of the year, you know, what's a Chua basically? You know, the nine sounds of a chauffeur is called what? And 
they don't do well on that question, right? Now, did the teacher not teach it every year? Right. <laughs> Beginning of the year, first thing is Rosh Hashanah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure every teacher basically teaches it at the beginning of the year. But what I think is happening is that that's the only time you teach it. So you're teaching it at the beginning of the year and you're not reinforcing it at any time throughout the year. Right. And like you said, the same thing is true with the Chumash. Uh, you know, there are certain skills that are taught in younger grades and they're not taught again in older grades. You know, it's assumed that, you know, like let's say, we don't assess Kriya, but let's say Kriya, you know, fifth grade, I should teach Kriya. He learned already in first grade, you know, I'm not doing that. So actually one of the tools that we developed here is like a self-guided, it's an online thing. It's like a self-guided study tour, which they, they basically it's meant to reinforce. Students could sort of reinforce the skills throughout the year at their own pace. They get these questions over and over again. Afghan Dinam? No, and I'm talking about more Homer skills right now. Homer yeah, yeah. skills. Uh, we're about to Humish. launch one in Dinam as well. Uh, the, the Dinam one is finished. I just, it, it's going up and whatever, shortly. But the, the idea, I mean, my, that's my thought process is they're learning it, but it's not being reinforced. So if you, every now and then you do a little Chazara, Maybe that will help, but uh, that's only What's something that. Would, but, the, that uh, but that's only something that we can know by analyzing the data. You know, that's right. the whole point of the data. Is you, you know, well, you can see kids who did your program, you know, did the interim program, and the kids who didn't. See if there's a difference know, statistically. These are all things, you know. Like, What's that program called? I'm not familiar with it. The online yeah, review. Right. It's, it's it's right now. It's the JSAT eight online review course. So <laughs> whoa, <laughs> you guys are it. creative geniuses with that yeah. title. Yeah. Whatever. So it's really only for eight. For eighth grade, not for fifth. You know, if you look at the standards, let's say Homer skills from the fifth grade to the eighth grade, they're almost the same thing. There's right. not a big difference. Okay, we're not adding Mefarshim in eighth grade. You know, we, 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 we ask the educators: should we add, should we add Mefarshim? Should we ask right. uh, Tommy and Mikra? The, you know, different thing. You know, but at the end of the day, it, it's not that much of a difference. So uh, on the other hand, it's a work in progress. You know, I wouldn't say it's ready for prime time yet. So, you know, we launched it for kids, you know, need to brush up on their skills. You know, they want something to help them brush up. But, uh, yeah, no, we've had schools that have used it. You know, they set aside a few minutes a week for the students, you know, going to the computer and uh, practice. And, yeah, you know, that's it's another tool out there. It's funny, you know, like in the secular world, you could get tutors to help you with the LSATs or the PSAT or the SATs, you know, they guarantee increases based on how much money you pay for your tutors. Yeah. So I, I see maybe over there in Lawrence, I could open up a little, uh, a little place yeah. called like Master the JSAT guaranteed a hundred points more. So I, I'll tell you the truth. The JSAT is an achievement test. Okay. Which means that when we polled the, the teachers, the, the, whatever the schools, the principals about these standards, what should never mind what curriculum they're using what should a student leaving fifth grade or eighth grade know like you know it's right. meant not with studying you know what are the things that should be in their head when they leave so officially it's achievement tests it's not meant to be studied for per se but since there's this component to it where many students are it's part of their high school you know in the new york area it's part of their high school application so there is some uh, should I tell you that schools don't prepare their students for it? They spend time, you know, they spend time helping them. So, you know, it's not, we don't believe that you should be studying for the test. You know, we're just trying to create opportunities to help students master the material, you know, the standards for their own sake, you know. I imagine so, that happened when the BJE was administering it also. I mean, yeah, there's a lot I mean, of pressure to get your kids into mm -hmm. high school and I could see how it could bleed into mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, people call me up. To, are there JSAT tutors? I, I don't have any JSAT tutor. You know, I don't. Uh, but I, I know there are people who who do this, who do that type of thing. But again, uh, you know, the, even even the high school placement that wasn't even our intention. Like our intention was simply to help lower schools get data about their students. You know, right. when the students are leaving the school, what do they know? What do they not know? So that, that's really what it's all about. I mean, so. You know, it's not about teaching to the test. It's just having objective data. Great. I remember on the test that we we are early adopters. Our school here in Houston. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Uh, if you probably know that. Through, but... I know, and throughout all the grades, <laughs> you guys. Right. Start, we decided. Uh, I was so excited by this idea, and it was yeah. so revolutionary to me as a yeah. as a you know school leader yeah. that I gave the JSET five to everyone from third to eighth grade <laughs> right. until he came out with the JSET eight, and I think we do that for seventh and eighth. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I thought it was such a great resource, which it is to get a handle on, you know, we use it at our school broadly for the curriculum, but more importantly for individual students to really identify outliers, because mm-hmm. like you said, you get the average, you get a feel for where kids are supposed to be. And if there's a student who's way off, way advanced or way mm-hmm. beneath, it's important to be aware of that. Not like right. kids slip through. Right, you know? right, right. So, yeah. You don't want kids slipping through the cracks. That's for sure. And it's and it's something you can really use to get a full profile on the student. Like, look, you know, it's an important piece. It's a you know, it's an important piece of information that you could really you know use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, we don't say it's the end all be all, right? But it's definitely a it's a data point. snapshot. You know, yeah. it, it's 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 a place so to start. One yeah. of the things that we found almost comical, and I'm sure there's some story behind this or whatever. Some of the Adios questions relate to like the state of Israel and certain modern Jewish historical facts, and our students never do well on those. Uh, it's really not something that is is really part of our curriculum. Why are they in there, and what's the backstory on those? Let's say on the JSAF five, we have exactly two questions that relate to. Um, but the idea is, you know, we're serving a broad audience, and um, they want to know. You know, I, I got news for you. We had one question. I think there's one question about Israeli Independence Day, Yom Atzmot. Right. And this teacher was looking at, you know, that's the most important day in the year in our <laughs> school. How do they not know this? <laughs> you know, we do all these things, you know. So whatever. It, uh, you know, it's a data. What, what we do have for those schools that uh, don't, you know, if that's not something, it's not within, you know, what you teach or your shkafa. We have a Shiva Besiako version. Oh. That. Uh, substitutes those two questions with two questions about Eretz Yisrael. So I think one question is like, you know, what are the, what's the western border of Eretz Yisrael? Some, 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 uh, some, some two questions related to Eretz Yisrael, but not. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. We've come to such a, a period in our community that we have to have two tests for two questions out of. It's, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the other thing is, uh, the only thing that's different in that instead of, um, the regular one, it says Shabbat, you know, it'll be spelled out in English with a T, it. you know, this one will, will, will be in Hebrew. It'll say, Shouldn't bet tough. You could read it any way you want. Shabbat, Shabbos, you know, whatever. I assume every year you grow in terms of participation, right? I assume mm-hmm. more schools hear about it, more schools. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. We, I mean, we have several hundred. Like I said, this past year we had 1,300, over 1,300 students that took it. And, uh, you know, they could track the results over time, too. You know, when we give out the results, they could see going back a couple of years how they right. you know, have they done right. from year to year. And in terms of the types of schools, it's a centrist, schools that are more centrist, or you'd say even the more right-wing elementary schools that would consider themselves heavily yeshiva prep and black hat, are they participating in it at the same rates as the more modern schools? We, we ask schools just to give themselves, we give them a choice of one of four labels, okay? Mm-hmm. 
So just to analyze the results, you know, to see. Yeah. You know, so the four choices are Haredi Yeshiva, Day School Modern Orthodox, Community, or Other. Okay. okay. So I would say on a percentage basis, probably about two-thirds uh, identify as Day School Modern Orthodox. Got it. You know, uh, the, other, uh, the other third is basically Haredi Yeshiva. And a little other, you know, a little bit of the, the the other ones. Now, even Haredi, again, that's how a school labels itself. We don't, we don't make that determination. Right. You know, what one school calls Haredi, another school might other. Oh, they're this, they're that. It, it, it's just just to get a little statistical uh, speaking to see if there's uh, you know a difference you know between the different types of schools. That's basically yeah. why we ask that. Yeah. So, but I would say most of the schools are somewhere on either you know the day school, the out of town spectrum right um you know we're not really testing kids in williamsburg you know we're not, right right uh, okay yeah i wonder how they'd relate to it you know if it would obviously have to be adjusted to their language or whatever but you'd, i wonder you'd be surprised i mean we have um there's a we have a curriculum here called the al haskell sure so i think they recently printed a yiddish version for some oh, wow. from Hasidish schools for those who don't know that's a very robust chumash curriculum that the consortium has promoted in many schools and it's very mm-hmm. popular yeah. yeah. All right. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about the JSAT 5, the JSAT 8? What's next, by the way? Are you going to be doing a JSAT 6, 7, or are you going to focus on the curriculum support? So, um, yeah, different things going on. So, we feel the JSAT 5 is good for like a year before, a year after. You know, that's like, you know, mm. four through six. Although most students are taking it are in fifth grade. And like I said, we have the JSAT 8. Now, the JSAT 8, as I explained, is a high stakes exam. So, it's given like a specific time of the year. So other schools wanted it whenever they want to give it, you know, not necessarily at that time of the year. So we have something called the JSAT 7, which is basically an old JSAT 8. Um, now, both the JSAT 5 and JSAT 7, you take it on paper or online. The other thing that we we're working on right now is a standalone SAFA assessment for schools that, you know, that's important. We're working on that dabbling a little bit mishnayas we'll see where that goes i'm not promising anything just yet and the other thing is like i said the support materials so we we should be releasing soon let's say review course for the dinam it's right now it's just questions my hope is at some point to add short video lessons or something like that explaining the skills or you know the basic ideas that are needed but it's all a work in progress never (laughs) a never-ending work in progress that's what we want to hear that's what jewish education good is about right both as individuals and as organizations and still still up to two in the morning no no, listen that's why i have this podcast because i want people to hear ideas build on ideas reach out to you to learn about your program Mm -hmm. how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about it what's the best way to find out Um, you can find me on the consortium website cojds.org my email address is uh, tdown at cojds.org and i'm happy to talk to anybody who would all right and we'll put that in the show notes so people could you know, you don't have to write it down if you're driving. Don't worry. You'll don't be able impression. to find it right underneath this thing. Okay, Rabbi Dam, last question for you. The million-dollar question, if you will. If someone listening to this says, well, that Rabbi Dam is really, he's really got his act together. He's done amazing things. I'd like to give him a million dollars and ask him to do something for Kali Yisrael, for Chinuch. How would you spend the money? You know, they say when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so what I tell you, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of worthy causes. One of my dreams is one day is I really want to take this data and analyze in a big way 
what makes a successful student in a Jewish day school? What are the characteristics? Mm-hmm. Um, is it uh, some of the ideas that they have? Is it the type of family background, socioeconomic uh, economic background? My ultimate goal is when students do get Eretz Yisrael, they should be able to read a Pasuk HaChomash. <laughs> Whoa, uh, <laughs> easy, easy. Tzvi. Let's not get carried yeah. away. Yeah, well, hopefully we're getting there. I don't so know. How but... are we going to use? So you yeah. want to use the, the million to... So... Do proper evaluation and analysis. Value, right. You know, what works, what doesn't work, what are what are the skills, what are the what what are the supports, you know, is it you know, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be academic, you know, there there are different right. things that could go into it. Um right. but uh yeah, but just to do some data analysis on what works in Jewish education. And that's basically what it is. You know, it's amazing, it's so important what you're bringing up, and it's mm-hmm. amazing that we don't know the answer to that, right? Yeah. You think that all the money being spent in education, not only, you know, Jewish education, education at large, right. uh, there would be much clearer answers to those questions. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and probably because it's, it, it is complicated, you know, yeah. there are different factors and right. different factors and they weigh in different ways and things like that. But, uh, okay. you know, we're trying to gather best practices and try to help students as much as we can. Well, thank you so much. This was really a fascinating conversation. It's great to hear that you're using so much chachma, so much wisdom to figure out how we can help students to give this test, to grow it, to have standards that are meaningful, and to have data that's useful. And by the way, there's a lot of this stuff is all available on our website. You know, you could access the standards. You could, you know, we did analysis of different, like the JSET 8. You could go, it's all free. It's all available. Okay, so please take a look at that. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending time with us and telling us all about this exciting project of yours. Okay. And it's like a Rabbi on your project. I'm, Thank you I'm so impressed. Much. I am impressed. All right. All right. Thank you. Isn't it amazing to hear how one person could take an idea from its infancy and develop a test that's being taken by thousands of students and more importantly, getting great data for the Jewish education system to look at and learn about how we learn and how we teach and what we could do to improve Listening to Rabbi Daum talk about the statistics and the data and what kind of information he's able to glean from this test over time is truly inspiring and really got me thinking about how are we best leveraging data. I know that the OU under Moshe Bain and Rabbi Hauer recently hired a person just to work on research and development. And they hired real sophisticated research people to look at what their programs are doing and data and running data. And I really think that's a huge, wonderful investment that they have made in the Jewish people. And I sort of wish that in Jewish education, we would be doing the same, hiring people who really understand data, how to collect data, and utilizing that data to really influence what we do. Another goal of the Chinuch Today podcast is to bring these ideas to light, to talk about them, and hopefully start a conversation that could yield some results in that area, because I I really do feel that there's a real opportunity here to mine data from the JSAT, but not just from the JSAT, from other types of surveys or educational initiatives that we could really look at and see their impact and their efficacy what the long-term impact of our educational process is, things about teacher retention, etc., that could be learned by looking at the large data. Baruch Hashem, we have big numbers in our Chinuch system. And with that big numbers comes the power of data and how to evaluate data. But it's a Chachma, like anything else. It's a real Chachma of how to get the information, make sure the data is accurate, and how to evaluate it for the yield real results. And not everyone could do that. 
So kol to the OU for being the first Orthodox Jewish institution that I know of for making it an integral part of their offerings. And hopefully here with Jewish education, we will be able to follow their lead and an organization will invest heavily in this aspect of development. Special mention must be made of Rabbi Heshi Glass and the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools who run that think tank, that annual think tank for principals, where they look to identify areas in the Jewish landscape, in the Jewish educational landscape, in the Chinuch landscape, that need to be filled, areas where the principals feel more resources could be focused. And really, that is the incubator from which the JSAT and many other ideas came from. So as an educator who is so appreciative of the consortium and what they do, this is just a small piece of their amazing offerings. You can take a look at their website, which is going to be in the show notes to see more about it. But Yasher Kayach to Rabbi Glass and the consortium for these amazing efforts. Thank you so much for joining us on Chinuch Today podcast. Please remember to share our podcast with anyone that you think may enjoy it. Always looking for those five stars, always looking for good reviews, always looking to expand our listenership. If you have any ideas, questions, or potential guests, please email chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. That's chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. This is Yerach Mil Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.